and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. This is the podcast for investors who aren't taking shortcuts. I'm your host, Natasha Collins. I am a chartered surveyor and the owner of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors where I help landlords and property investors with their asset management strategy and property investment strategy to build mixed use and commercial property portfolios. Oh my gosh, did you guys already notice the difference? I really, really hope you did. So as you are probably aware, I have now changed the name from the NC podcast, which was great, really great. But now with the Honest Property Investment podcast, why? Because I think this gets more down into the depths of what I'm trying to do over here. Now, firstly, I want to say thank you to everybody who reached out and gave me details of what you'd like to see in the podcast. That was so helpful. Thank you. One of the things that I have put together is I've set up this podcast, its own Instagram page. So if you go to at Honest Property Investment on Instagram, you can start following this pod's Instagram page now. I am going to let you know that we are only going to be posting two or three times a week. Once on a Tuesday at 7am when this podcast comes out to let you know what the podcast is all about. Then we're going to be posting a couple of other things to get you involved in the discussion. The idea behind the the Instagram page is that I want you to have somewhere where you can come and ask questions, where you can leave your feedback, where you can tell me what else you'd like to see on the podcast. Honestly, I can't thank you for the amount of feedback and I just want to keep that going. Now, as I said, when I finished up the last season of the NC podcast, we're going to run this podcast in seasons. So for the next nine weeks, this is going to be season two of the Honest Property Investment Pod. Then we're gonna take a couple of weeks break and then we will run in 10 week seasons. There was so much feedback that I cannot fit everything that you guys wanted in the pod in this season. I promise you, I am going to try and get to it as much as possible. And I have some fantastic guests coming on, I really do. I have, the president of the RICS. <gasps> I have finance experts. I have lenders. I have other property investors coming on to this podcast. And then what we will do is we'll finish up the nine weeks with a mailbag episode. Because again, I got loads of questions. Now, I will still have room on that uh, mailbag episode to answer more questions. So you can either come on over to at Honest Property Investment on Instagram and send me a DM and I will answer your questions there so I can pick up your questions from there. Or you can email me natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I want to hear from you. I want to make sure that this podcast is all about you and your investment style and where you're moving forward. And of course, you know, it's me. I'm always going to be talking about what I've got going on, things that I'm finding frustrating, but also things that I'm loving. I want to share all of this with you and make sure that you get this in the weekly dose of 
content. Now, the other thing I do want to remind you all is that if you come on over to ncrealestate.co.uk, which is my firm's website, you can also stay updated with the, the most recent webinars that we've got going on. At the end of this month on the 24th of May at 6.30pm, we are going to be doing a webinar on building your property investment business plan. You do not want to miss it because it's so vital that you get this. Everything that I talk about in the podcast is absolutely vital for your learning. But if you come to the live sessions as well and you pick up our freebies, my gosh, you get so much out of it. I want you to come and be involved in the NC Real Estate brand. As well as that, you also know on Instagram that we have the NC Real Estate Instagram feed, which is at NC Real Estate Limited, LTD. Um, so make sure that you're following that. And then of course, follow me on my personal account, which is at Natasha C. Collins. Why did I split that all out? Well, there's part of me that feels that I have too much going on to share everything that I do on my personal account. It was my business account. It was my podcast account. It was an everything account. And whilst everything is me, there's also a personal side of me that I wasn't really showing as much. You know, not everything I do is about work. So I wanted to separate it out into here's Natasha Collins' personal work life. So everything on Natasha C. Collins is me posting that. And then my team are looking at after at NC Real Estate Limited and also at Honest Property Investments. So that's how I split it up. It's pretty exciting, actually. It means that this business is growing. I think over the last 12 months, we have just worked super hard during lockdown to continue supporting investors however we can and making sure that we're growing business. We didn't really see COVID as an excuse to take time off. Well, where else could we have gone? There wasn't really any, anywhere else we can go. Uh, none of my team can still travel to see each other. So we were like, right, okay, we can't travel. We are just going to keep building it's not always perfect. I really have to say that. Sometimes we muddle along thinking uh, what to do next. And being a CEO is pretty hard. We have to make some very interesting, or I have to make some very interesting decisions on a daily basis and judge what's going right and judge what's going wrong. But definitely one of the best feelings was when we sat down, put our heads together and thought, okay, this podcast needs a shake-up. This podcast needs to be uh, improved. It needs to give you more information. It needs to have better guests. It needs to be broken out into segments. So I'm really excited for this. Very excited for this season. Okay, so let me tell you how it's going to run. Every week, I'm going to be the one doing a 10-minute introduction. I will let you know what's going on, what's been going on in my property investment world, we're then going to cut to my brand partnership for this season. If you didn't already know it, I'm a I'm an ambassador for Lionheart, which is the charity that supports the RACS. I am going to be giving you guys information about that during our break. Then we're going to be cutting to a new a new segment called a day in the life of a surveyor. And this is where I have got my colleagues to send me voice notes. It's gonna be a five minute voice note about who they are, what they do, and what they do in a day. Why? Well, there are so many different forms of being a surveyor. 
There are so many, we all do such different things. So I want to give you an appreciation for that and who you would need to call to do certain jobs. So every week you will hear from another one of my friends, colleagues, industry contacts who has left me a voice note about what they do in the day. And then after that, we'll either move on to me giving you some key information around a topic I think you need to know a lot about, or we'll move into some awesome industry interviews. It's gonna be a good season. I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited for you guys to hear the interviews. Now, one of the big things that I would love, 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 is if you could rate and review this podcast. Again, it really helps me out. The more you write a review, the more this gets boosted up in the algorithms, the more people that find it, the more people that listen. And that makes this community stronger. So please, if you could help me with this, that would be, honestly, I'd just be so appreciative. All right, everybody, let's move over to the first break of today. Let me introduce you to Lionheart. Lionheart is the RICS's own benevolent fund, a charity that supports members of the RICS and their partners. They were established in 1899, so they have over 120 years of experience of supporting the surveying profession. Lionheart is separate from the RICS and a totally independent organization and registered charity. They help RICS professionals, the life partner of chartered surveyors, as well as APC candidates and have also recently expanded their support to surveying apprentices and students. Now, you're probably wondering, how can they help? Well, they provide training in the form of free workshops and webinars, and they operate a helpline through which you can access different types of support. They have over 30 workshops and webinars and a range from financial well-being, career and personal development, APC and post-APC webinars. The helpline service is bespoke to each person who calls as they try to offer a sort of package or service that suits your needs. Some of the services and support that we offer are professional counselling, coaching for a particular issue or challenge, legal advice, help returning to work or developing career after a period of not working, financial grants and general support. All of their services are free and to find out more, please visit their website www.lionheart.org.uk. Now it's time for the first episode of A Day in the Life of a Surveyor. Today, Pask called in, well, left me a voice note. She's a project manager who works in Surrey. So I'm gonna hand over straight to her and let her tell you about what she does in a day. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hi, I'm Pascalina Puglisi. I am a Chartered Project Management Surveyor with the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. I currently perform a contract manager role for a local government body who are delivering a London property programme of about £1 billion worth of capital. My day-to-day activities uh, are really varied. They can involve anything from financial reporting, progress reporting on projects and programmes of work, um, 
particularly things like risk and uh, mitigation measures, uh, depending on the stage of the project, whether it's right at uh, the initial stages or sort of during uh, design, delivery, construction and even handover. There's very different activities that I could be involved in. So just for example, at the moment, I quite often am involved in the very initial stages of the project. Um, so we're working with clients or end users and services on their needs for a building and what that might require in terms of design, their ambitions for their um, strategic capital delivery and what they need from their buildings in order to serve their service over the next sort of 10 to 15 years and beyond. Uh, alongside that, as a body, I also need to recognise that we have targets to meet in terms of uh, net zero carbon and emissions. So I work across all sectors within um, the organisation to ensure that not only does the end result meet the client's needs in terms of operational use, but also our strategic objectives as a organisation, whether it's sustainability um, and future proofing our estate and how we maintain and manage it. So it requires me to be involved with a number of those um, departments and therefore I get oversight into a number of different elements rather than just day-to-day delivery of a building project, which is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Similarly, once we have all of that information in hand, I might be involved in uh, procurement of consultants to then develop the designs for those requirements. We'll complete a feasibility study to understand if the site is viable based on the budget that we have and the constraints within the site. Um, Once we've got that tick box um, and those items stack up, we'll then look to detail that design and really get into um, the nitty gritty, if you will, of of that project in terms of what the building is going to look like. We'll seek to secure planning permission um, and we're helped alongside with specialist consultants to achieve that. Once we have planning in place, we'll look to procure a contractor to deliver the project and we'll look at all methods of of construction to do that. Most commonly at the moment, uh, modern methods of construction, uh, sort of volumetric um, and opportunities to deliver that quickly um, depending on the site constraints. One thing we're fortunate as a government body is that we uh, own a lot of land and so there's opportunities there to really look at taking advantage of modern methods of construction uh, and that's something that we're exploring at the moment. I also on a regular basis uh, will report into project boards and to make sure that progress is regularly monitored and the relevant stakeholders are kept up to date. So a lot of my role involves um, relationships, both on a sort of project delivery professional basis and also um, those involved for a stakeholder perspective, which uh, for a local government organisation is quite vast. And so there's a lot of work involved with that. And we often get um, professional specialist services to assist us with that. We set up websites, we keep people regularly informed um, and ultimately that's throughout the life of the project once it's in the public domain and then through delivery. And we will look to ensure that we're monitoring reporting on progress, both in design and construction, all the way to handover and ensuring that the client and the end user are set up to take on that building once the contractor hands it over to them. So there's even a period of post-occupancy evaluation once they've 
taken occupation of the site to make sure that it's running as designed and intended and the client is happy with it. And we can use that as an opportunity if there are issues to take lessons learned and work that into our process for further projects coming forward. Um, ultimately, it's a role which involves a lot of communication engagement, um, but it also is very vast and wide ranging in that you see the project from start to completion. So uh, for me, it's sort of the benefit and the best of both worlds in that it's primarily office space, but also you have um, regular sort of site engagement and you're on site with the, the teams delivering. So for me, uh, it's a personal thing, but I ultimately love seeing something go from pen and paper to uh, to built form. Um, and that is a day in the life of me as a contracts manager. Okay, let's get into the main part of this podcast. Today you've just got me, but... I have something really important that I need to go through that seems so simple, yet I don't see many people doing this. One of the big concerns that's going on in the property investment industry, and this is both for residential and commercial, is that I have investors saying to me, well, there's no deals left on the market. By the time they've gone to right move, or they've gone to auction, they feel like these deals have been passed around through developers, through other investors, they've already been put on the open market, so it could be that first time buyers or cash buyers are jumping in there to get them. And so they're saying, well, why on earth would they still be on the market and be a deal if they've already been churned through everybody else who's had a look at them and spat out the other end? I think that this type of viewpoint is just fear-mongering. Everybody's always got this special way of finding the right properties, you know, spend hours sending out direct-to-vendor letters or traipsing the streets or going through every single house or commercial premises on a road to find out who owns it and whether you can get a deal scanning all of the HMO registers, you know, all these things that take a huge amount of time. It's all doing work. You know, you list it all out, you put it on whatever CRM system or Asana or Trello. Yeah, I was thinking about the other one. You know, all these systems that people use, Excel spreadsheets. But in actual fact, it's just busy work. It is just busy work. You are sat at home in your office doing stuff, doing things, or you're getting out for a walk and doing stuff, doing things. Now, I'm not saying to you that that is a terrible idea, but to a certain extent, it can be a complete waste of time. It really can. Because one of the things or the main thing that I'm not seeing, and I'm not even seeing this in my students, I'm not seeing this anywhere. When did we forget to pick up the phone and talk to people? It's a real bugbear of mine. Ever since I was a young surveyor, I was always encouraged to either pick up the phone or go and see someone face to face. Now, I get it, at the moment you can't see people face to face. I haven't seen people face to face for so long. 
so long. I mean, I've got friends in the US and people that I see over here, but I've not seen anybody in the UK for mm, over a year and a quarter now. And I trade in the UK, but that doesn't mean that I have to be on the ground in order to create a network, in order to form friendships, in order to get deals done. And so I'm here to preach about off the record conversations in property investment. What do I mean by this? Well, essentially, I mean having a conversation where nothing needs to come of it. Having a conversation where it's just two people on the phone talking to one another and being honest, open and transparent. (gasps) Could you even believe it? A lot of people are too scared to have those conversations, but I actually believe that it's the best way of getting things done. Case in point. So one of my properties has been an absolute nightmare recently. There are so many emails flying around about uh, doing external works, doing windows, whether the common parts need doing, mice on the ground floor, commercial units on the ground floor with not very good extractor fans, um, you name it, complaints are going round about it. Then we wanted to do the external work and the surveyor, oh, the surveyor, not even the surveyor, the property manager, sorry, they're not even a surveyor, the property manager came back and said, oh, we'll, we'll start the external works, but we don't quite know when we're gonna get it done. Right, so you're gonna start it, but you don't know when you're going to finish it, okay. So asking them, what does starting it mean? Well, starting it meant an inspection, right. Okay, so they went out, they inspected the building, which apparently they managed, but wanted to go and just have a look around again to make sure that they knew what the building was, which already sends alarm signals, like absolute alarm signals. Um, Then, they did the inspection and they sent all the leaseholders a report of what happened in the inspection. No joke, the inspection report was one line. It was one line confirming that they had been to the property and that they had had a look around. Great. Well done you guys for going out to a property that you manage. Hopefully you're not charging for that. But that of course sent everybody in the building into a spin. These people don't manage the building properly. We're gonna make formal complaints to the ombudsman. Any other threats that they could make under the sun, they were doing, they were phoning at the property manager, screaming down the phone at him, telling him that they were. it was making their flats impossible to live in. And I could just see this carnage going on in my inbox. 10 emails, 20 emails, 30 emails. I'd wake up in the morning and bearing in mind I'm five hours behind a lot of them. They had pretty much managed to bombard each other for hours on end. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. But I could get it, they were angry. And then we got a, a kind of a conciliatory email, an email where the one of the property manager's bosses emailed us all and said, what could he do to make it better? And I thought, oh, you have put an olive branch out, so I'm going to take it. I phoned him up 
and I left a message and you could tell that the guy was probably a bit worried about speaking to me because everybody else had already phoned him and given him an absolute mouthful. So I sent him an email and I said, look, this is going to be a friendly conversation, but you're going to want to phone me back. So dutifully, one evening, he phoned me back and I said to him, can we please just have an off the record conversation, you and I, because what I can see in my inbox is not great. And bearing in mind, I'm not on the receiving end of the tongue lashing that you appear to be getting. I said, it's probably making your day an absolute hell. In fact, I said, it's probably been an absolute hell for as long as you've been trying to do externals works, to which he readily <laughs> agreed. And so I was just talking to him about his family, what his background was. He told me that he was going on annual leave and that he needed a week off because this property had properly stressed him out. I can't blame the chap. I really couldn't blame the chap. It was not nice. So then he said to me, well, Natasha, what could we do to make this easier? And I said to him, could we please either take the management from you and there's no problem with it. We don't have to go through tribunal. You don't kick up a fuss. I said, can we please just take that off of you or can you help us buy the freehold? And he was quiet for a bit. And he said to me, you know, people don't normally just ask me that on a phone conversation. And I said, well, I'm getting the lay of the land here. I'm trying to figure out what will make this relationship better. I'm not saying that it's something that's definitely going ahead, but this is me being honest with you in an off the record conversation. I said, if you don't come back to me, we can pretend like this has never happened. If you do come back to me, fabulous, we might have some ground to move forward on. And he was silent again. And then he said, do you know what? I think we could make this work. And I said, I think we could make this work too. He said, all you have to do is figure out some sort of price that you would want. If it's reasonable, we might go ahead with it. If it's not reasonable, then obviously, you know, we're going to counter offer. I said, but at least what we need is some confirmation that you aren't going to oppose it if we go for the right to manage. And you could just hear the cogs turning. And again, I said to him, look, if you go and ask the people, the powers that be who are above you and it's a no, nothing comes of it, it's fine. You don't ever have to get into contact with me like this again. You don't have to send me an email. Um, and as I said, I'll just act like it's not happened. I've not told anybody else I've had this conversation. Anyway, we ended the conversation on a really good note. And he said to me, look, if I can do anything, I'll give you an email. I thought to myself, an email? you're gonna send me an email back to an off the record conversation. Fabulous, okay, that might get some conversation going. And then I thought, I'll just forget about it. Within 48 hours, the chap had emailed me back and this is what he said to me. I've not managed to get the details and what value was attributed to the freehold when we look, when we look to sell it, but I'll try and get back to you by next week. I've also had a quick chat to a senior manager. Obviously we cannot commit to anything, but yes, we would generally be supportive from our relationship point of view with residents taking management ownership in an email. No without prejudice, 
no subject to contract, no confidential or off the record in there. That was him coming back to me and saying, all right, I'll actually have that conversation with you because that's a constructive way of doing it. And that's just an example of that happening this week. Now I can go away and have a conversation with my solicitor. I can get the facts of how much that's gonna cost, what we need to do to make that happen. And then I can go to the other leaseholders and say, guys, do you wanna go ahead with this? Yes or no, here's how much it's gonna cost, right? Really simple, no more arguments needed. But it goes back to my initial thought when, Investors say to me, I can't find any deals. All the good deals have already gone. And I say to them, did you pick up the phone and ask anybody? Well, no. The, the, I emailed the agent, the, email emailed me, the agent emailed me back, it's already gone. Okay, but surely having a conversation with someone builds that relationship. I think actually it's vital because the amount of times that I've phoned up an agent, whether commercial or residential, and explained why I was interested in a property and asked them whether that was still available or whether they had something similar, what they would usually start to say to me is, no, I don't, that's not available anymore, give me a call back at a later time, or they would try and fob me off to somebody else. And then I say to them, okay, well, I understand that's not available, but here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to forge relationships, I have this much money in the in my bank account, and this is the amount of lending that I've got. Here's what I'm looking for. And at that point, they start listening to you because you've actually got a reason to call them. You want to spend money. They want to get your money for their clients. So at that point, that's when they start sending you deals that are becoming available that might not might not necessarily have already gone to the market. Even to the certain extent when I was um, phoning agents for the members club, for a commercial deal for the members club, and I do commercial Q and A's on a Thursday and we do deal analysis. And I was phoning around agents who had deals that I thought we could do a deal analysis with and my clients would be really interested in. And I was speaking to one of the agents and I said to him, at the moment, I don't know which of my clients this would be suitable for, but here's a bit of a requirement that I'm after and I want to present it to them. And all of a sudden his ears picked up and he says to me, okay, Natasha, what types of clients do you have? And I explain what my clients are looking for. I explain the search requirements we have out right now. Um, we keep a list of search requirements for our clients so that if ever I'm speaking to an agent, I can just forward that out and see what comes back. And he gave me there and then an off the record, an off the market deal. He said to me, look, we're just typing this up at the moment, present it to your clients, let me know what the feedback is. So I had this deal, I took it to my clients for a Q&A and I said to them, look, I don't know that this is quite right for any of you, but here is what the deal is. And the reason it's not quite right is because it was a sit on and take the money. There wasn't any value add opportunities for 10 years. It was the sort of thing that if you had a couple of hundred thousand pounds laying around that you wanted a really decent income on that you know was guaranteed for 10 years, you would pick that deal up. But 
if you're the a sort of investor who's who's kind of at the middle point of investing and you're not really ready to sell property on you want to do it up you want to increase the value and then you keep increasing the value you know with commercial it's all about lease strategy and uh, making sure that you add value that way this really wasn't it you know there was no option to change the lease because it was fixed for so long i mean great secure investment but certainly not something that really caught the interest of my clients as i said we're dynamic investors we're investing for increasing value and so uh, i said to him that that was that was the point that was the reason that i don't think any of my clients would take it but he was more than happy to give it to me to, to offer it to everybody and people constantly say to me well no one would do that for me well why wouldn't they all i'd done is phone up and have a 20 minute phone call with somebody and leveled with them and said what i was trying to do and what i was looking for and that person said well i have something but it might not be quite right why don't you try it tell me what's wrong with it <gasps> revolutionary absolutely revolutionary right it blows my mind that we're not having that conversation the same as have you ever been on an email chain that's going backwards and forwards where you're cc'd in and you've got your solicitors on one side, the seller's solicitors on the other side, there may be an agent copied in, your mortgage broker might be copied in as well, and nothing is moving forward. In that situation, it is time to pick up the phone and speak to somebody. Even if you speak to the agent and say, hey, what's going on? Level with me. You can always take things off the record always take things off the record. I used to do this a lot when I was um, negotiating on rent reviews and lease renewals for commercial property because there gets to a point where surveyors will go backwards and forwards and there's always stalling because you want to make sure that you're getting the best for your client. You've got the most amount of comparable evidence and the most amount of research and you've done your due diligence and then the opposition surveyor comes back to you with a counter offer and you sit there and you dwell on it for a little bit. But three, four months down the line and you're running up an hourly bill for your client, which is that you're now thinking, hmm, I don't think I could bill them much more than this. Okay, let's get on the phone. Let's have an off the record conversation. Where are you at? Where am I at? Where do you think your client's gonna accept? Here's where I think my client's going to accept and between the pair of us, we can make a decision on what to do next. Otherwise it's just stalled. Again, pick up the phone. Start having those conversations. If you can't get hold of someone, leave a message. Tell them how to get back in contact with you. We also have WhatsApp. Use WhatsApp, send someone a voice message. It puts someone in a completely different position if they can hear the tone of your voice. How many times have you been livid with someone, phoned up, got their answer phone, listened to them on the, the answer phone and think, oh, I can't shout at that person? Happens to me all the time, actually. <laughs> but I don't tend to shout at people on the phone unless they've done something incredibly unreasonable. Usually, I just wanna have a conversation. So what I'm telling you is please use this as part of your strategy when you're looking for properties, when you're negotiating, when you're 
asking your tenant for rent if they've not paid rent when you're trying to get your tenants to pay something when you're speaking to the freeholder if you're a leaseholder if you want your commercial tenants to renegotiate on something any of these situations pick up the phone find out where they're coming from find out what their stance is because once you've done that you can make a decision accordingly now they may give you a response that isn't in your best interest or your client's best interest. That's okay. But you can do something if you've spoken to somebody because you know how they feel about it. But we're also coming to the end of the rent mem- moratorium. I can never say that word. Moratorium. Rent mem- moratorium in the UK that should come to an end on the 30th of June. And at that point, we're gonna have a huge amount of tenants with our arrears outstanding. You're not just gonna fire off an email and say, this rent is due, please pay by return. Well, there's nothing in that for them to pay or they might not be able to afford it. Instead, you need to pick up the phone, speak to them, find out what their situation is and how you can help. Again, you can take the conversation off record because you can say, actually, you know what, I might not be able to agree with you anything with you here and now, but let me hear you out. Let me understand what's going on. Let me understand where you're coming from. And then you can do something about it. Because I am sure that you would far rather have a tenant in your unit than you forfeit the lease on the 1st of July. And all of a sudden, you're looking for a new tenant and you're paying for the expense of that vacant unit. Again, I don't know how many times I've said it in this podcast, please can we start picking up the phone? Send that voice note, send that WhatsApp voice note. If you're doing it on WhatsApp, fine, I do a lot of communication on on WhatsApp. Or just call somebody. That is the fastest way to conclude things without things escalating. And that right now is how you are going to still be able to move forward. You're going to find the best deals. And it's also a really good way of networking because I meet the best people just through having a conversation with them. I mean, how do you think I know so many surveyors who are more than happy to send me through a WhatsApp of what they've done in the day? It's because I chat to everybody. (laughs) It's as simple as that. How do I get so good at negotiating? I chat. How do I find deals? I chat. I get to know people, they get to know me. I don't necessarily like everybody, but that's all right. If we've got to do business together, we've got to do business together. And if we don't, we don't. But I've already had that conversation. Please, please, as a result of this, let's move forward with making phone calls. It is going to be the savior of your property investment year, I promise you. Right, there we have it. Key takeaways, I wanna hear over on Instagram, at Honest Property Investment. I wanna hear from you. Did you like this episode? What were your key takeaways? What are you gonna do as a result of this episode? I want to know. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.